<laughs> I warned you guys, Clive's not here. I'm his faithful disciple. I'm doing exactly what my pastor's told me, and I'm going to put some of you on the spot. So that's what he asked me to do. I'm going to greet these guys because it's wonderful to see you again. I'm not going to put you on the spot because it's the Kahindas. They used to be with us some years ago. You guys are in Canada now, so it's a blessing to have them back. But I'm not going to ask you the questions because you haven't, unless you've been listening on the podcasts. Okay, right. Hey, you know, these guys are good disciples, so they, um, it would not surprise me if they were listening to the podcast. Okay, so, first of all, <laughs> sister-in-law. They were here at the start. What is the secret of the kingdom? Multiply. See? She's got it, to multiply. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Right. Um, <laughs> Ruth looks terrified. <laughs> um, this is wonderful. Okay, so what is it that we multiply, Owen? The seed. Seed. The seed. Yeah. And what's the seed? It is. It is, he says, looking at the notes <laughs> on his phone. Repent and be forgiven. Very good. Um, live a supernatural life. Very good. And share the message with others. Pass it on. Very good. Yeah, okay. So the seed of the kingdom that Jesus talks about in this parable is repentance and forgiveness. It's living the supernatural lifestyle just like he was, and it's passing it on to other people. (laughs) Hey, Simon, what's your profession? I'm a farmer. That's right. He's a farmer. So have we got any other farmers in the meeting this morning? Ooar! Come on, farm with me. Say, ooar! There we go. Um, and what, Farmer Steve, what are we looking for? We're looking for good soil. We're looking for good soil. That's what Jesus says in this parable. He says we're looking for good soil. But there's a problem. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's a problem. There's a problem. So I'm going to recap because we could just play with this forever. So the problem we've looked at so far, we've looked at the problem of the path. Jesus says there's a problem with the path. And really we saw that that represented something about our hearts and the hearts of people we share the gospel with. The path has been trampled on. It's been pushed down. And very often we see that people bear the impact of the challenges they've had in life. And so when we share the gospel with them, we share the good news with people, we meet that hard surface because of the things they've been pressed down upon them in their lives. So the, the path is a problem with the heart. Last week we talked about the problem with the thorns. Jesus says the farmer sows the seeds into the thorns and there's a problem with the thorns and they represent the worries, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things. It's the things that happen in our minds. So we looked at the heart, we looked at the minds. And if we want that good soil, we need to plow and break some of those things up, plow in the spirit and pray for change. So this week, we're going to look at the third aspect that Jesus calls out as a problem, as a challenge. If we're going to be farmers, if we want to see that harvest come up, and the challenge that Jesus brings is about the rocky ground, the rocky places where the seed goes. Before I start too much on this, I want to share a video with you that is just really powerful. So let's watch this, and then we'll look at the scripture together. In the ruins of Haiti, the signs aren't good. It's day six. The diggers tear at the rubble, making survival beneath unlikely. The scavengers at the bank search for money, not the living. One man looks on. Roger still believes his wife 
a bank worker just might be alive. He rushes in every time ground is cleared. This time, someone hears a noise. He calls for silence, then for his wife, Jeanette. Okay, she's there, she's alive, he says. They scrape away stones to expose a small hole and allow the first light to reach the woman in six days, her husband overwhelmed. I can hear Jeanette talking. I put a microphone in and ask her if she's injured. Yes, she says, my fingers are broken. She tells me she needs water, it would be a great pleasure. I'm thirsty and I can't see, she says. Then, a message for her husband. Even if I die, I love you so much. Don't forget it. The risk of her dying remains. Not her husband, nor anyone here has the equipment to get her out. Would you like to take a look? Suddenly, help arrives. Firefighters from Los Angeles. They push a tiny camera into the hole. Okay. And Jeanette okay, is revealed. At, uh, Her head is moving. Hang in there, Jeanette. All right, Jeanette, we're almost there. But within three hours of first hearing her voice, she emerges. One, two, three. Her first words, thank you, God, and then an astonishing moment. The words of her song, Don't Be Afraid of Death. She told me she always thought she'd survive, but she wondered why this had happened to her. Did you think you would, you would live? Did you think you would live? Live? Why not? Well, this has been an absolutely remarkable rescue. The most remarkable thing of all is the life that's bursting from this woman's lungs. We had to watch that video at work um, as part of a training session, and uh, there was not a dry eye in the house. I've watched it half a dozen times since. I've cried almost every time I've watched that. Just incredible. Um, you know, in in one context, obviously, what an incredible woman. But from the, my perspective in the room watching that, I was so impacted. You know, what came out when she was under pressure? She was under physical pressure, emotional pressure spiritual pressure, what came out. Good words towards her husband. And as she was released from that place, thank you, God. And this hymn, incredible hymn about, you know, God just rescuing her and not being afraid in that moment. And I felt so profoundly challenged. You know, what is it in my life when pressure is on me? What's going to come out? So let's look at how Jesus talks about that in Mark chapter 4. Verse 3 and onwards. So turn there with me. and I believe it should come up for us. Listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprung up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. 
Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, 60, some 100 times. I'm going to turn on just to Jesus' interpretation where he says that, verse 15, some people are like seed sown along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, They accept it, they produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So we're going to unpack this morning and look at how Jesus talks about the problem with the pebbles, the problem with pebbly people. So I want you to listen with two ears this morning, okay? So grab one ear, say, I'm listening for myself. Because this is a message to some of us. We're going to need to receive what Jesus says to us. But this is also a message for a friend. So grab the other ear. Say, I'm listening for a friend. Because we're going to reach out to people. We're going to share the gospel with people. We're going to have maybe people in our cell groups, our disciples that we're helping and working with. And they're going to come under pressure. We're going to want to have the wisdom that Jesus gives us for them in their lives at that time. So we're listening for ourselves. We're listening for someone else as well. So the first thing that, Jesus, that I want to raise here, the first point, is the problem with pebbly people. Jesus paints this picture. So he says, you see the seed, you see the field, and at first glance, it looks like it's good soil. It looks all dark and rich and composty. There's a faint smell of manure. And at first, the farmer's looking at this patch of soil, and he rubs his hands together, and he says, Wow. I've got me some good soil over here. So he starts sowing the seed. And at first glance, everything's going great. Jesus said the seed springs up. Actually, we know beneath the surface there's not very much root. So all of the energy from the seed is going upwards. And so at first glance, that looks great, fantastic. First glance, everything's springing up. But the problem that Jesus goes on to say with pebbly people is it's only skin deep. Everything's happening just on that very surface level. They're not putting down the roots that are going to hold them up when trouble or persecution come. That's the picture Jesus is painting. The problem with pebbly people is they've got plenty of potential, but under pressure they might not persevere. You see, they're fast, but they're flaky. They're speedy, but they're shallow. They spring up quick, but they might not stick. Pebbly people present some problems. Pebbly people push back at the plow. Many times in life, we feel the experience where, you know, the pastor comes to us with a challenge in our lives and says, hey, I've noticed in this situation, this is kind of how you've responded. I want to talk to you about something that's going on there. Or maybe we go to our cell leader, we say we want to talk about something that's going on, and they say, well, I kind of get where you're coming from, but I think the issue is this. They start to plow into our lives, and we 
push back. Or we read in the Bible, you know, we're reading the scriptures and we read something, it speaks to us and we say, oh, I feel that's true about my life. I need to do some business here. I need to put down those deeper roots. The Bible's speaking to me. I've got to put down roots. But then part of us goes, no, there's just, I'm not going to let this thing get too deep. I'm going to keep the barriers up. On the surface, I'm going to tell everyone, hey, I'm reading my Bible. But underneath the surface, I'm not really going to respond at the level that the conviction is coming at. That's the problem with pebbly people. They push back on the plow. By the way, I know none of you guys are in this category. No one in this place has a problem with the plow. I've just heard that in some churches, there's some people who might struggle with that kind of thing. So I'm just throwing this out as general thoughts, maybe for another church that you've maybe visited or heard of or kind of might meet some people from. I'm sure no one in this place has a problem with the plow. But what I will say about the plow, the plow is just the practice. The plow's your friend. The plow's your pal. When the plow comes, that's practice pressure. That's just pretend pressure to prepare you for the proper pressure. So when the plow comes, receive the plow. Because it's going to break up those pebbly places in our lives and going to help us put down deeper roots. So we're going to move on from the pebbly people because I'm sure there's no pebbly people in this place. The second thing that Jesus says about the, the seed on rocky places is that there's pressure. There's a process of pressure. Now, this word that Jesus uses, I'm just going to ask my wife to help me with something here. Oh, very good. Did you get the other bag? And there's a particular word uh, in the Greek that Jesus uses. And it's a word, for, uh, it's translated in the New International Version as trouble. Some other versions do render it as pressure. But it is a word that comes from the vineyards. It's a word that says to squeeze. To squeeze the juice out. To squeeze in order to make wine. Our church administrator is going to squeeze me later. (laughs) We're being squeezed. Jesus says when trouble, when pressure, when the squeeze comes, when persecution comes, there's another word, we'll look at that in a moment, but when the squeeze of pressure comes, pebbly people don't persevere. Now Jesus is smart. Man, this parable has been keeping us going for five weeks and we've still got content to draw out. He really knows how to tell a story with a purpose. And he's very specific. He says, when pressure comes. He doesn't say if pressure comes. He says, when the pressure comes. So he knows what he's about. He knows that human beings, we will all experience pressure. It's practically a guarantee that we will have pressure in life. We will have pressure. We will have performance pressure at work. We will have pressure to be a good parent. We might have pressure from our parents. We might feel the pressure to be like our parents. We're going to have pressure on our purse strings, pressure on our pockets, pressure on our time, pressure in many areas of our lives, pressure to be in the right place at the right time, to be doing the right thing. Pressure, 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 pressure. Jesus knows it. So he speaks into it very directly. When the pressure comes. 
You'll notice as well, Jesus is talking about a particular type of pressure. He says, when pressure or persecution comes because of the word, because of the gospel. I don't even want to talk too much about that particular type of pressure today. And I'll tell you why, because the way I look at the church around me, most of the time we're doing such a good job of not bearing fruit because of the other pressures we're under, we don't even get up to the level of being under pressure or persecution because of the word. It's like just the normal surface pressure of everyday life, of everyday things, has got such a squeeze on us, a squeeze on our minds, a squeeze on our hearts, a squeeze on our thinking, a squeeze on our time, the pressure we come under. Do you ever feel like you're in the lemon squeezer? Just the things that you feel you ought to do, that you know you need to do, your commitments in life, do you feel the performance pressure in your studies at work, pressure? Sometimes I look around the church and I just think, well, we're so under pressure from just everyday life. We haven't even got to the stage of bearing fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. We haven't even got to the stage of bringing in a harvest. We haven't even got to a stage of being that influence in our city, of being an influence in our community, of being an influence in our country. We haven't even got to that stage. So the persecution that's on us is low. We're doing a great job of crumbling under the pressure that we do have. And so maybe at some point we might have to preach a different sermon about the persecution. We might get into a situation Pastor Clive was sharing recently about Russia. I think at the start of July they passed a law where you're no longer allowed to share the gospel outside of a registered church building. You can no longer share the gospel with someone in your own home in Russia. That's the law that came in at the start of July. We're not experiencing that pressure, thank God, you know. We're at liberty to have people in our homes, to have cell groups. We thank God for that release. So we don't want to give in just to the pressure of everyday life. But that's okay, because when the pressure comes, stay, when the pressure comes, we're going to remember there is a purpose in this pressure. There is a purpose to pressure. So I want you just to give me a wave if you're wearing uh, rings this morning. Give me a wave. Use your ring hand. Say, give me a wave. Cool. I want you to give me a wave if you're wearing an engagement ring this morning. Anybody here with an engagement ring? Oh, that's nice. I want you to give me a wave. Keep your hand waving. Keep waving if you're wearing that engagement ring, but you don't need to have a wedding band to go with it. Hi. Chessville, why don't you come join me? Be good sports. Because I just want to talk about the purpose of pressure. And I'm going to pick on you and put you under some particular pressure. So, I'm going to let, by the way, Jess has got a lovely ring. You should all come and see it later. It's really very beautiful. Good job. Excellent choice. Well done. Um, so, just want you to reenact this proposal for me, okay? So the pres- when you're doing a wedding proposal, there's pressure there. So here's the proposal, here's some pressure. I presume you're on one knee, yeah? And, um, oh, I'm going to take the bag. Just, if you could ask her to marry you, just hang on to that for me, just on one knee. It's a lovely um, wedding gift. That's nice. 
Oh, when you saw that big, dirty bag of charcoal, you probably thought, yes, didn't you? No, no. Oh, sorry, buddy. Okay. No. Oh. Well, what's wrong with the charcoal? But, but what was she after? Oh, a diamond. Oh, yeah, she didn't want the charcoal. She wanted the, the good stuff, the bling. Okay, thank you very much. The funny thing about charcoal is that if you put it under enough pressure, you guys can sit down. I won't embarrass you any further. But it, it, when the pressure comes, this rather unattractive and lumpy bag of black rocks becomes something rather more attractive. And everybody wants to be a diamond. Yeah, that, that guy, he's just a diamond geezer. Oh, she's such a little gem. We all want to be a diamond. No one likes the pressure. <laughs> that church, they're always pressuring me. That guy, he's always pressuring me. But there's a purpose in our pressure. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church in Corinth, he wrote this. We don't want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Uh, But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but rely on God who raises the dead. That's been a a life first for me in a number of situations to remember when the pressure is on. There is a purpose in that pressure. It's forming us. It's shaping us. The pressure might squeeze, but it's going to shape us. It might push but it's going to perfect us. So when the pressure pushes down on you, you preach at that pressure. You say, pressure, you've got a purpose. I'm not going to give in to the pressure. I'm going to be shaped by the pressure. So practically speaking, how do we prepare for pressure? The fourth point I want to make, I've got three, three sub-points on this, and they're all practical and punchy. <laughs> so come on, grab your... Did you, know, did you know that one in 40 words in the English language starts with the letter P? I've used most of them. <laughs> We're running out. What's the guy to do? So grab your neighbor and say he's going to mix it up. I'm pooped from all these P's. He's going to mix it up. I'm ready. I'm ready to write it down. I'm ready to remember. I'm ready. Say, I'm ready. Say, really? So we've got three R's to to keep you going with this one. We've got three R's, practically speaking. So some of you guys will have been watching the Olympics. And one athlete who has impressed many people around the world is this young lady, Simone Biles or Billets. She's a gymnast and she's won just about every gold medal that's going on the ladies' gymnastics this year. And coming into the Olympics, the pressure on her was spectacular. The last two or three years, she's won gold medals at the um, World Championships for gymnastics. So coming into the Olympics, the expectation was high. The pressure was high. 
something I've been privileged to see through work is some coaching on how top flight athletes prepare for pressure. We had a lady come to speak to us from, um, she used to work at Team GB Cycling. She was in squad selection and talent selection for Team GB Cycling. And she said, in her opinion, most athletes at this top level, they're broadly similar in terms of the training they can get, the access to the um, kind of science and skill and focus in training. They're broadly similar in terms of the muscle that they'll have and the speed they can produce. And physically speaking, very, very similar barely a hair's breadth between any of them. What sets apart the winners from those who don't medal consistently is their ability to perform under pressure, how well they've prepared for pressure. So Jesus says pressure will come when the pressure comes. So we would be foolhardy not to prepare for pressure. And so a number of interviewers have talked to Simone Biles about what, you know, how have you been preparing for the pressure? And she's just brilliant. She's just brilliant. She's so cheerful. She, what, she's so sweet. People want to read her story and, and watch her, not just because she's an incredible athlete, but because she's just a nice person. It's wonderful. And so they talk to her about pressure, and she's shared some of her reflections on that. And I want to just draw some reflections on preparing for pressure from what Jesus talks about in this passage So the first thing is reconnect with your joy. Reconnect with joy. You know, Jesus, when he's talking about this seed that was sown on pebbly places, first of all, he says they first when they receive it first time round, they receive it with joy. They're happy. They're singing. They're laughing. They're dancing. They want to be on time for church. Hallelujah. Oh, they feel great. They're just they're you know they're amazed at how good God is. They're delighted to be a Christian. They're so. Joyful, but when the pressure comes, they are so out of here. And I think sometimes it's because we lose that joy. We forget to reconnect with the joy. When the pressure comes, we forget. Oh, it was so good when I first became a Christian to know the Lord, to feel like my sins were forgiven, to believe that he loved me, to believe that he cared about me, to believe that he was for me. To be lost in worship, just the privilege of looking up to God in heaven and knowing that he was aware that I was praying and singing to him. All of that joy that we first had when the pressure comes, somehow it just gets disconnected from us. Jesus said they receive it with joy. And so my first thought is when we are under pressure, we reconnect with that joy. We remind ourselves of joy. We say, God, I don't feel the joy right now, but I remember there was a time when I felt joy. God, help me feel that joy. Help me remember why I love being a Christian, why I love being with you, why I love praying, what it was that excited me about reading the Bible, what what wisdom I found in those pages when I first started picking that book up. Reconnect with the joy of first becoming a Christian. And this is controversial, but if you're not feeling that joy, fake it till you make it controversial. Clive can come back. He might ask me never to say that again. But we have good historical precedent. When John Wesley was struggling in a battle of faith, the the German pastor preaching to him said, well, if you don't have faith, then preach faith till you get it. And then when you've got it, preach it. That's what they advised to John Wesley. And he turned out, okay, so I'm perfectly happy to say, fake it till you make it. If you don't feel the joy when you start, find the joy. Fake the joy. Pretend you're happy. Lily was telling us that when they were in America last week, they went to Disney. They went on a roller coaster. 
I, lo- I love a good roller coaster. I didn't love roller co- coasters. I didn't discover them until I was about 19. And now I, I love a good roller coaster. Lily, not so much, but she said she was on the roller coaster. Was it the Tower of Terror or the other one? And, and she said she was feeling nervous. So she decided, hey, I'm just going to start laughing. So she just started laughing. And Doug was like, okay, for better or worse. <laughs> or worse to that effect, probably maybe in his head. And, <laughs> and then you know when you start fake laughing and you become aware that the whole thing is ridiculous. Lily said, and then suddenly before she knew it, she was actually laughing. She felt the joy. She reconnected with the joy of being on a roller coaster. There was less joy for Doug. But she felt the joy. So I'm confident to say to you, hey, fake it till you make it. If the pressure comes, don't go, you don't give up on the meeting. Don't stop going to church. Don't stop going to sales. Don't stop reading your Bible. Keep going. Fake it till you make it. Something will catch. Something will connect. The joy will come back. Pebbly people need to persevere to reconnect with that joy. The second thing, practically preparing for pressure, receive the plow. Oh, it's controversial. Receive the plow. Receive the plow. Remember, the plow is your pal. When the pastor comes to you and says, hey, I feel like I've had this word for your life and I read this scripture, it just really spoke to me about you and I just wonder if there's anything in there you should be receiving or reflecting on for your life. And on one level, you're like, "Mm, yes, pastor, amen. But underneath the surface, you're like, no, pastor. Do not receive this word. Hey, that's the plow. That's going to break up those rocky places. That's going to break up the places where you're not bearing fruit, where you're not taking down the deep roots. It's going to be, I won't lie to you, could be painful. Plows are painful. But it's going to be good for you. It's going to build you up. It's going to mean that when the pressure comes, you don't wither. When the pressure comes, you stand tall. When the pressure comes, you bear fruit. Receive the plow. Get to the church meeting. Get to the prayer meeting. Get to the cell meeting. Get to the meeting meeting. Get to every meeting that's going. And in each meeting, say, hey, I received the plow. Sit down in the morning. Read your Bible. Have a notebook. Write down what you've written. Speak to the Lord. Say, Lord, from this today that I'm going to read, plow into my life. Help me put down deep roots. I want to get those deep roots. I want to break through. I want to be deeply rooted. God, I might go through some pressure today. I don't know what's coming today, but you know what's coming today. Give me something from the word today, God, that will plow into my life. So when the pressure comes at work, when the pressure comes at home, when the pressure comes in the mail, when the pressure comes from the text message you didn't want to get, whatever the pressure is, hey, that morning I read something that plowed into my life, that broke through, that gave me a deep root, that meant that I'm just... The pressure is not a pressure to me. I'm persevering under this pressure. Receive the plow. And the third thing is rely on your team. It's very interesting to notice who Jesus was speaking to as he interpreted this parable. Specifically, I think it's verse 10, it says that he was with his team of 12 and a few others. So we have the picture in the start of Mark just before we read Mark 4 verse 1 and 2 where Jesus is going out onto the lake and he's got this huge crowd out in front of him, huge crowd all around him. And then he begins to interpret it just for his team, just for those closest around him. And for me, it's just another reminder. You know, I love this church. I love the cell group that I'm in. I love the privilege of being in Pastor Clive's team. I love some of you guys. 
Some of you. I love this church. I love the vision that we have for meeting in homes, for being with people, for being connected in teams, of doing life together, of sharing life with each other, of having fun together, of holding each other, holding each other up when the going gets tough. I love this church. I would not be able to survive as a Christian without a team. It's, being a Christian is a team sport, amen? When it's not something you're meant to go on your own. And, you know, sometimes I come across people and they're like, oh, well, you know, I love being a Christian, but I'm not part of a church right now. And I'm like, let me know how that works out for you. Because I don't want to be unkind, but I've yet to meet a Christian who can press on under pressure without a team. I've yet to meet that scenario. So thank God for the team that we've got. And, you know, my plea, (laughs) my request... If you're here today, but you're not yet in one of our cell groups, in one of our city groups that meets through the week, please plug in. Come grab me. Come talk to me. Because you want to be connected with other people who are going to grow up with you, who are going to receive the same plow that you're receiving, who are going to have the joy that you've got, or who might need the help that you've got, who might be able to help lift you up in the time when you need it the most. People who are going to play together, people who are going to pray together. We need that team around us. So don't miss an opportunity today to get connected in with the team this week. So I'm going to finish. I'm going to wrap up, okay? So I want you to take this away. Remember it, pressure. There's a process in pressure. It will come, but it has a purpose. And when you receive that purpose, purpose, you're perfected into a diamond, into someone who stands the test, into someone who can overcome. Practically speaking, prepare for that pressure. So will you stand with me? I want to pray for us today. Just that we'll be able to to receive this message and the wisdom that Jesus has as he teaches about pressure. You know, as I was preparing, I had this thought that maybe there's some people here who feel, you know, I've been under pressure and I did not persevere. Maybe there's someone here who feels that the pressure came on their life and whatever it was that was squeezing on them, performance pressure, expectation pressure, whatever it was that was squeezing them out, they didn't respond in the way they wanted to. And maybe they're feeling like they need a second chance. Hallelujah. As Doug so graciously showed us this morning, (laughs) hey, in God, there's always a second chance. So if you're that person who feels like, oh, the pressure was on, but I missed it, and I just don't know if I can come back, hey, this morning's your morning. This morning's your opportunity. This morning is your chance to respond differently to pressure. So Father, for every person who knows that they had the wrong response under pressure and wishes they'd had a different response under pressure, Father, I pray a special help, special release of grace, special release of feeling forgiven and of feeling like we've got that second chance. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll make this real in each of our hearts, but especially for those who feel like they've missed it under pressure. That we'll know there's a second chance, an opportunity for more of the plow, but also more fruit. Father, I pray that those people will know your love, your help this morning. 
Father, I pray for special help for your church this week. There will be those who do well under pressure. Father, I pray that we'll be those who prepare ourselves for pressure. And when the pressure comes, we flourish. When the pressure comes, we just rely on the deep roots that we've got in you. Father, I pray that for every person here this morning receiving this word, that you will help us put down deeper roots, deeper roots into your word, deeper roots into relationship with you, deeper roots into a team. Father, I pray for those deep roots to be built in our lives.